What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to The Shock Factor with Jake and Jordan, where I typically am joined by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman, and I'm Steven Shock. However, this is one of our Midweek Mayhem episodes, so Jake and Jordan will not be here. So this is The Shock Factor with Steve, Steve, and Steve. And not to worry, the multiple personalities that live inside of my head will be joining us. So we got that to be excited about. So typically, these episodes will be a recap of things that have been going on throughout the midweek. Just interesting things I've seen that have, you know, kind of made me raise my eyebrows and made me think a little bit. So here I am to share those thoughts with you. Now, as I am recording this, the undefeated Purdue Boilermakers, which, first of all, don't know what the hell that is, but it's their mascot. They are currently taking on Illinois State in normal Illinois, and the score is 3-1, to one, so their undefeated season might be on the ropes, but... You know, that's just life. The starter for Illinois State, Salada, took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. So anytime you're up against a, a guy like that, it's going to be an interesting time. And this week, we actually had a lot of interesting things to cover. So there were a lot of matchups between mid-major programs and large schools, as you know, you'll typically get during a midweek setting, that um, the mid-major schools actually pulled off some pretty decent upsets. The first one I wanted to kind of point out and highlight was Ole Miss versus Southeastern Illinois or Southeastern Louisiana. Sorry, and you know I don't know what it is about schools that kind of give you directions to what part of the state they're in, but they're always like sneaky good. Like if you can look at a school's name, and it gives you a better understanding of where it is, you can bet there's going to be some gritty dudes on that team. And so you know the Lions. They, they took care of the newly number one Ole Miss, which I was really impressed with. They had some absolute dogs on their team. They, they just went out and competed their nuts off, which is all you can really do in the situation that they were presented with. Another upset that, uh, that kind of surprised me was the College of Charleston taking down Texas. Now, the Horns, they're, they're down, and they're, they're down pretty bad. Their trip to South Carolina has just been brutal. They came in number one when they flew into the state originally. They got beat by the Gamecocks, hilarious mascot name. And, you know, they're falling off a little bit. But keep in mind when I say that, this is like if I were saying Jeff Bezos went to Vegas and lost 500 grand, you know, saying falling off. Like, from the outside, it looks terrible. If a normal guy was like, you know, I lost 500 grand in Vegas, you'd be like, all right, dude, you got a problem. But for Bezos, it's just like, okay, so what? So you only got a couple billion left? So from the outside, it looks terrible, but in reality, they're still in phenomenal shape. They're an incredible team. Sure, they lost one of their main weekend arms, but they still have an absolutely stacked lineup, and I'm happy to report the Hispanic Titanic is still afloat, Uh, unlike that stupid Disney cruise ship, which couldn't survive. And then another midweek matchup that I thought was interesting was Mississippi State versus Binghamton. And Binghamton played a really good game for the first seven innings. Like, if this were the second game of a doubleheader, I would have been super impressed. They were tied 5-5 with the defending national champions, which, you know, only for seven and a half innings, which isn't a win. But from a personal perspective, a team has to be – a team like Binghamton or any mid-major playing a large school like that, you got to be happy with your performance. And kind of now that we got the facts out of the way, let's talk about these games from a player's perspective. So Binghamton actually put out a tweet that caught my eye because it it was just hilarious to me. Their bus had broken down on the way from Alabama to Starkville, Mississippi. And they tweeted that, you know, after some bus troubles, we have made it in Starkville. And the the picture was just a bunch of their teammates 
or a bunch of their team just taking pictures of the stadium, which, you know, I think that's hilarious because if you're a player who's played against anyone cool or anything like that, you know what it's like to get up to the field and the first thing you do is you have your phone out and you're filming the stadium, which I am, don't get me wrong, I am all for that. I think it's hysterical. I love that shit. Like, if you go through my Snapchat memories, 75% of the Snapchat memories are just videos I took at different baseball fields. And, you know, the other 25% of them are like me cross-eyed and sweaty drunk, if I'm being honest. But anyway, I tweeted about that because anytime like something like that's happening, something that I feel is something that's unique to the player's perspective that isn't really shown by teams. Like, I love Binghamton for showing this, first of all. Just because it's showing who the team is and showing what college baseball is really about. Like, sure, you're in the game and you're competing and you want to win. But also at the same time, like, that's cool shit. And also you want your Snapchat friends to know how fucking sick you are. Like, that's that's just all part of it. And, you know, anytime there's an upset in these games, going back to that topic, Anytime an upset occurs and I tweet about it, I'll always get replies from random dudes who, you know, they've never put on a jock strap in their life. They're balding. And it's just, oh, they're, they're acting like they just won the World Series. It's a mid-reek. Relax. Like, simmer down or whatever it is. But if you're a small school playing a big school, that shit is honestly, like, the most exposure you're going to get in the year. And, like, sure, there's conference tournaments. There's, you know... You could make it to the NCAA postseason and things like that. But in reality, like this is the only game that's really guaranteed. Because if you don't win your conference as a smaller school, the, the odds of getting an at-large bid are just abysmally small. And so, you know, when College of Charleston's beating Texas and going nuts on the mound, I love that shit. Because to these guys, like, that is the World Series. That is one of the biggest games they're going to play all year. It's going to be the most watched game they're playing this year, potentially depending on what the College of Charleston does in the postseason, depending on how the Cougars are feeling. But just having that perspective and understanding that, like, you know, for these guys, it's about more than just a midweek game. And, you know, sure, that kind of puts the bigger schools at a disadvantage in the sense that, like, when you come to play these guys, you got a target on your back and they are coming for you. And, you know, it's a midweek game. Typically, people want to, you know, take a breather, sharpen up, you know, maybe get some of their weekend relievers into the mix to just get, like, light bullpen work in and things like that. So, anytime you're playing these smaller schools, they're going to come after you. And, you know, I remember personally at UMBC when we played Missouri, our Friday night game was against a fellow named Bryce Montez de Aca. His name's burned in my mind. The kid was like six foot ten, sitting ninety eight to one hundred one, just an absolute stud. It was also like thirty degrees, which you know when it's colder outside, you aren't as loose. You aren't going to be throwing your hardest. And this kid was still throwing ninety eight to one hundred. He was still throwing at speeds that if I tried to go in my Ford Taurus and drive down the road, the thing would explode. And like this was just like a normal Friday for him at the start of the season. And so, you know, you go into those games and you see who you're stacked up against. And, you know, as bad as it may be to admit, as a small school going into those, you're just really hoping to score a couple of runs, maybe sneak a win, or at least from my perspective. So when we got no hit by Bryce Montez de Aca on Friday night, that shit just made sense. Like, I, I went to the hotel room and I wasn't sad or nothing like that. I, w I was a little upset because I was in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, but... 
it was like the, the game didn't affect me at all. It was just, okay, we lost. We were supposed to lose this game. But then on the inverse side, the next day when we played Missouri, and, you know, I think we went 11 innings, ended up getting walked off on because I was pitching. But I threw six innings against them, and I felt I, I was really proud of that performance because, you know, you're going into these big schools where, you know, people are telling you, oh, you aren't supposed to go to a big school, or it's a school that told you you aren't good enough in the past. Like in the example of Texas versus Texas State, like all the Texas State guys probably wanted to go to Texas. And I can honestly say, you know, if the options are Texas State or Texas as a senior in high school, most people are probably going to pick Texas. So, you know, you've been the guy who's been told no by these schools. You've been told you aren't good enough to play at these schools. So anytime you get a chance to go up against them, it's going to be a fun time, and you got a shot to prove yourself. So if you go in, you know, just you really have nothing to lose as a small school. Like, sure, you might go out there and get absolutely shit-pumped, but no one's going to judge you for getting pumped by Missouri. Like, that's expected. But on the inverse side, when you're a big school and you lose to a mid-major in one of these midweek settings, it it's kind of embarrassing in the sense that everybody expects you to steamroll. Everybody expects you to be the big guy. And I'm not trying to sound like, you know, the kid whose parents had way too high expectations for him or anything like that. But just from a perspective of, okay, there's a reason we are a bigger school. We have more money than the other school because people donate more and things like that. And we have more facilities. We have more access to tools that will get us better. So losing to a small school kind of, you know, it's kind of not only a testament to how gritty the school is that you're playing, but also from a standpoint of, you know, everybody expected us to win this game and we didn't. And so it's really just an interesting matchup because, you know, one school's playing like they got nothing to lose and the other school, you know, while it may not be a big deal if they lose, like you're still going to get mean tweets at you if you pitch bad. Like I blew a save against BCU last year. And, you know, Blown saves happen all the time. I've blown more saves than most people probably have. And that just means I played baseball probably longer than most people have. But, you know, I blew that game. and there I didn't even know people from VCU cared that much about baseball, which I tip my cap to them. They, based on their mean messages to me, they really cared. So that was actually fun to learn. That made me happy. Like, honestly, sometimes when I get mean tweets, it just mean the way I see it is it means people care about the game, which, you know, if – if it takes being mean to me for these people to care about the game, then that's perfect. Like, that's just more people who care about the game. The game is growing, whatever. But from the small school side of things, like, those games, for some schools, they're it. Like, that year we played Missouri. We didn't make the conference tournament or anything like that. So our last game of the year was against Farley, Farley Dickinson. I want to say it was a home game. That meant nothing. So when I pitched in that game, I just tried to hit 95. I clearly didn't because – I'm sitting in my basement right now, and there's a ton of people reporting to spring training. So that should tell you how that one went. But that's just from that side of things, it's really interesting to see how the two different teams will approach the situation where you got the big school just rolling in. It's just another day. It's an opportunity to sharpen up and play the game we love, really. But for the small school, it's like, you know, we're going to war, and we're, we're trying to kick ass and take names. So that's why I personally love midweek baseball. Just because you're going to get schools that, you know, typically have no business playing each other unless it's like a one seed versus a four seed in the NCAA tournament. So I, I just love seeing guys have this opportunity and going on and shining during those opportunities. But we're going to get into a bit of a heartwarming story from not college baseball, 
And this is the story of Zach Earnhardt, who he is an uncommitted uh, class of 2023 from D.W. Daniel High School in Clemson, South Carolina. And, you know, I get a lot of messages about cool stuff happening in baseball. And, you know, every now and then, like, one of them will mean more than just like a look at this. I, I went two for three with two bombs, which I, I love when people send me that. Don't get me wrong. But this, this one made me feel a little bit. So two weeks ago, Zach's brother passed away, and he took a little bit of time off from baseball. And the very first pitch he saw, he absolutely mashed to left field. First pitch he saw, not first at bat, nothing like that. Just first pitch, he just destroys the ball to left field. Everybody is so happy. He posted a video of his dad reacting, and I would go and check it out just because it, it's so wholesome. And it's so on brand with what the game of baseball really truly is about. Like for so many people, baseball is great because it's an escape from what the real world is. You know, there's so much sad, sad shit going on. Like there's, there's war, there's pandemics, there's things like that, but baseball is here and it's always been here. Like sure. There's been times where it's taken breaks, but in some capacity, whether it's going out and playing catch or going to a game and eating hot dogs and drinking a ton of beer, Baseball has always been there for me personally whenever things have gone bad. And, you know, Zach's DM and message and just videos just really showed that, you know, no matter how shitty things are going in life, you can always just go to a field, hit some baseballs as hard as you can, and things are going to turn up okay. They're, your perspective can change. Things will get better. And so that's the Steve heartwarming story of the week. Now, going on along the lines of upsets, there is another big development in college baseball in general, not at any particular level, because I don't know which level to count this as, but Mount Marty in Iowa is a small NAIA school that they, they actually have incredible baseball facilities. Like, they're, they're pretty unreal. They have an all-turf field, their clubhouse, like their player's lounge has a pool table, ping-pong table, really they, they got amenities out the ass. And this week, they beat University of St. Thomas, which is huge because St. Thomas is a new D1. It, it was the battle of Marty versus Thomas to see who comes out on top. And Marty, Marty won this one. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to University of St. Thomas just because, you know, they were a D Division three school last year, and they ultimately got kicked out of their conference for just shit-pumping teams left and right. And, you know, last year they actually lost in the Division three championship to Salisbury University, go goals. You know, I have a ton of respect for them coming. They're skipping D2 completely and just coming up, being a Division one school and competing, like competing well. And Mount Marty got the best of them, but that just goes to show that, you know, any level of baseball – Anything can happen. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's uh, Future Steve here just cutting in to say, I, I realize I just said Mount Marty for about that whole segment, and I'm a moron. It's Mount Mercy University. They're NAIA in Iowa, and I am a moron. Thanks. I believe it was a Division three school in Loras. Loras, Loras. L-O-R-A-S, because I don't know pronunciations. There's no phonetics on it. But they beat Iowa last week, which was huge. But just any time two teams are playing, this is the beautiful thing about baseball. 
really anything can happen. You have no clue what's going to happen. The only time you really have a clue what's going to happen is if it's absolutely pouring rain and there's lightning, then it's going to get canceled. Or, you know, if there's an umpire involved, then some plays are going to get blown and calls are going to be wrong. That's the only two guarantees in baseball. But just seeing Mount Marty come out and absolutely ball out was huge. And it was something that made me really happy because I, I want the game to grow at all levels. And I think, you know, NAIA is playing Division ones or just like this kind of Jimmy Neutron, fairly odd parents crossover episodes between conferences. I think that's so good for the game because you're giving, giving these kids an opportunity to really make some noise. And that's why I love tweeting about those things. Just because, you know, that's that's probably the biggest thing that's happened to them this year. And I love that. But one thing that was kind of disheartening about Mount Marty, and I'm not putting them on blast or anything like that or upset with them in all actuality, is when I went to try to find their Twitter, they haven't tweeted since, like, March 2nd, which is going to lead us into our next topic, which is Queens University in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, stay with me because I'm not good at segues yet because this is only like my second time doing this. So just stay with me. Remember what I said about the social media team not tweeting for a while. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Queens University. They are an up-and-coming baseball program in the Division II ranks. And their program high for wins, I believe, is 14. And this year, at this juncture in the season, they are currently sitting at 13-11, I believe depending on when this gets released. I could be telling a lie. I also could just get the numbers mixed up because that's a fun thing I like to do. But they are currently one win away from tying their program record in wins, two games away from beating that program record, and they've just been some absolute dogs. But the reason I talk about Queens University baseball is not because, you know, all these wins and losses and things like that. But their Twitter page is run phenomenally well. Like, if you go ahead and look at their Twitter page, they have a tweet corresponding to just about every out that is recorded in the game. And one of my buddies, his name is Evan Duhan. Shout out Rusty. He coaches first base for Queens University and helps with the outfielders, I believe. He might be working with someone else, but I don't really. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so I don't know. But I, I asked him. I just reached out. I was like, look, dude, who's running your team's Twitter? Because this is absolutely phenomenal. Like, I love when I can just stay on Twitter for updates for games. Because, you know, I could go to the live stream and links like that, but, you know, my phone's not the fastest and I'm not the best at navigating technology. So I would rather just, you know, type in there out on Twitter. And so I asked him, I was like, who's running your team's Twitter? Because this is, like, really impressive. And he goes, Steve, that's my dad, Gerald Duhon, doing this. So my friend Rusty's dad is coming to just about every Queens University baseball game, commuting up to live tweet the game, and to run interviews post-game. Like, he'll film, he'll just walk onto the field and find a guy who did good and say, hey, I'm going to pop you a few questions and record it and tweet it out. And he does a phenomenal job. And now you might be thinking, oh, okay, so he drives to the games, real impressive, whatever. Like, anyone can drive to the games. Yeah, anyone can drive to the games. But what Mr. Duhon is doing, Rusty's dad, is flying from New Orleans, Louisiana to Charlotte for midweek Division II baseball. So he can tweet about these games and put their name out there, which he is doing more for the game than I have ever done. I aspire to be on the level of which he is having just because 
that's so much effort and so much work for this Division Two baseball team, which I adore. Like, I love that. I think that's awesome that he does that for them. And, you know, it's a great way to, you know, share the game with your family, which I'm always a fan of. Now, another thing that caught my eye, this was actually last weekend, and I tweeted about it. It was um, Georgia Southern. I can't remember who they were playing, but the opposing team was pitching, and behind home plate was Georgia Southern's mascot. I, I want to say his name is Gus. I don't know him personally, so don't quote me on this. Well, I think this whole thing is quotes technically, but okay, I'm going to stop this sentence before I get into a headspace that I can't get into. I'll get confused. But their mascot is this big old bird, an eagle to be exact, standing behind home plate while the opposing pitchers come and set. And he's got his jersey on, and you know his buttons are clearly unbuttoned. He's covering up, and as the pitcher's about to release, he just pulls his arms wide apart, flashes him his furry little chest. And it, it really got me thinking about whether or not schools should move student sections from, you know, right field bleachers or down the line to just right behind home plate just to mess with opposing pitchers because I think this would be a really effective strategy like I've played with so many guys and I love all the guys I've played with but I play with so many guys that would probably get absolutely domed up by this and so I think it would be a really effective method to you know increase the chance of walks help your team win from beyond the fence and this is actually something that I saw this happened to me while I was at Virginia Tech last year and first of all, the environment there is absolutely crazy. And I, I loved playing there. It was a ton of fun. The, the fans, we blew them out Friday night, and the fans were still calling us terrible things all nine innings. It was awesome. I, I adore situations like that. But there was actually a guy flashing me behind home plate. And typically things like this do not distract me. Like when, when I pitch, I'm locked in on the catcher's glove. Like I remember at App State we did a training exercise where – we, we ran in three bullpens at the same, not at the same time. I didn't throw a pitch and then run, but we would just do a sprint, hop on the mound. And my coach told me the reason we do this is so we can lock in, cut our head off, and only think about the catcher's mitt. So, you know, whenever I was in the game, I would try to, I would try to stay on that level of focus. But I actually did get thrown off by this fan at Tech. And what he was doing, he was wearing a cowboy hat. He had his shirt completely, like, wrapped around his head like or not wrapped around his head like kind of tied up like a deuce of hazard style t-shirt but he had his nipples out and what what distracted me was the fact that they were very different sizes like one was a dime the other was a was a jfk 50 cent piece if if those even still exist if they if they don't exist for the younger listeners what that is is it's it's 50 cents it's worth 50 cents and it's larger than a quarter by about it's about 50% larger than a quarter. I, I don't know. I don't know the exact measurements. It's bigger than a quarter, uh, smaller than a dollar bill for what that's worth. But what distracted me was like, I was worried about that guy's health because it's like, I, I don't know much about the human body or about health. I'm not too much of a health freak, but I do know like you're typically supposed to be pretty symmetrical. So he, he flashed me when I had two outs in the ninth and then I got the last out and I immediately ran to the bullpen and pulled out my phone because I had to WebMD it because I was, I was honestly concerned for this guy's health. Like I wanted to have one of those hero moments where I'm like, Hey dude, look, I know you hate me, but you got to get your nipples looked at. But I, after looking at it, it, it turned out he was fine, but I was worried for a minute. But I think just having that student section 
would be such a great way to just mess with people's heads. Like, Virginia Tech, the whole place is a student section. Like, they go nuts everywhere there, which I love. I love that stuff, and I think more students should be involved in games. And I think schools should do everything they can to pack their stadiums, which will lead me into, you know, my final talking point. And that is a recent development from my good buddy Brian O'Connor at UVA, who has recently announced that if you are a child accompanied by an adult, you'll have free attendance at any UVA game for the rest of the season, as long as you're accompanied by an adult with a ticket. And, you know, I don't know if Coach Oak was a marketing major. I've heard a few rumors that he was. And the dude has just been killing it this year. And I, I don't know why it's happening this year opposed to last year or the year before that. But the dude is just absolutely grinding to get people. He's getting asses and seats. And I love to see it. They've had record attendance since, I, I think it was the highest attendance since 2016. And it was 4,459. And I truly believe that they're going to get more than that every weekend, I feel like. Because Coach Oak's just pulling off tons of promotions. They're doing Taco Tuesday, things like that. Their media team has been stepping it up like crazy, which I love to see. They got funny, funny little pictures they'll send out. That's why you always see me repost them because, you know, of course I went there and I want things to do well from there. But also, like, it's just funny stuff. It makes me happy. Like, they have a little drawing of Rake Geloff, they call it, which is just a shitty Microsoft Paint version of a guy of a of a rake wearing a 22 jersey for Jake Geloff. Sorry, I'm bad at painting the picture with my words, but I'm also bad at painting it with my hands, so I'll just tweet out the picture that they tweet. It's just way easier that way. But I, I love what they're doing, and I think this is such a good move, not just for boosting attendance and marketing purposes, but just for the game of baseball. You know, you have a ton of younger fan, fans, fans that are like six years old, they aren't buying their own tickets. So... If you're charging $10 a ticket for a family of four, that's 40 bucks. I'm not a math major, but I just killed that. And, you know, two of those kids are like three years old. They aren't going to remember much of the game. So why, why shouldn't they be walking in for free? I feel like every, every stadium in the nation should be doing something like this because you're giving access to a younger generation of fans. You're giving them a gateway into falling in love with the game of baseball. And doing it at this level, like, is so good for college baseball because I the reason when I first fell in love with college baseball I was like eight years old and I saw a game at Maryland or I don't even know if I saw it at Maryland it might have just been on the TV but like it just stuck with me because of how different it was and how relatable it was at a young age to see guys who aren't built like an absolute house swinging a wood bat around like I, I related much more to these college kids who, you know, they might not be the most freak athletes just swinging a metal bat and having fun out there than I ever would to, like, Mo Vaughn because Mo Vaughn and I have very different lives. He is gigantic and can hit bombs. But these college kids, now that's something I can relate to. And that's why I think it's so good to be exposing, you know, younger kids to the game at an early age and giving them free access to that where – you know, as a kid, pretty much everything's free. You aren't really paying for shit. Your parents are. But having that sort of access is just phenomenal for the game. And, you know, I tip my cap to UVA. I always love UVA. You know how it is. But just having that go on and having that access for these kids is huge. And I'm really happy about that. Well, anyway, that's about all I got for today. 
Right now, Purdue has actually tied it up. They tied it up in the top of the ninth. They are potentially staying undefeated. It is the top of the tenth between Purdue and Illinois State. This is the most happening thing to ever happen in normal Illinois, and I'm going to go watch that. Thank you for tuning into the Shock Factor. We will be back again after this weekend with the full team, not just the voices in my head. I hope you've had a great time listening, and I hope, I hope you learned something too. Thank you for tuning in. I love you, and I'll talk to you again soon.